for the past, present, and future of all animals. This is the Zookeeper's Voice with your host, Danny Jirasi. Hello, and welcome to the Zookeeper's Voice. I'm your host, Danny, and today we have a very esteemed guest for your listening enjoyment Tim Morrow, the CEO of the San Antonio Zoo. With an almost 30-year career in the theme park industry, Tim has played intricate roles in places all over the world and is currently creating a huge impact down in Texas with the San Antonio Zoo and Will Smith School. So let's dive right into our chat with Tim Morrow, the Chief Executive Officer of the San Antonio Zoo. Today we have a very special guest from my hometown of San Antonio, and someone I have personally gotten to watch work in the industry for almost 10 years. Tim, welcome to the Zookeeper's Voice. How are you doing today? Thanks for having me. It's, I'm doing great. The weather in San Antonio is perfect. It's about 65, 70 degrees and sunny, so I'm happy. Oh, I feel like you're teasing us. We are like 30 <laughs> degrees and 60 mile per hour winds today. <laughs> this, is, this is why we live in Texas. <laughs> oh, man. I miss that kind of weather. <laughs> Um, I was actually just telling um, our producer, Bill, earlier that we've actually known each other for almost 10 years. Uh, Is that right? Yeah, that's probably right. Uh, Since SeaWorld days. And so they go by really fast now and all the years blur together uh, for me. So I literally have to talk to people about like what was happening at the park the year they were there, because that's how I judge the, the different years that I worked at all the parks or at the zoo. Well, I believe you and I first started interacting in a professional setting when Aquatica opened. I was one of the first people to start help with the Stingray interaction. Right. Yeah. So that would have been about 2011. We were starting to do the uh, putting the Stingrays in and and testing and trying the interaction program and figuring out how we were going to do all the things we did with Stingrays and fish in that pool. Yeah, absolutely. I, I can't even believe that that was that long ago. Another life. (laughs) It does feel like another life. And I actually found a video the other day of something else I got to do with you, uh, that polar plunge when we all dressed up like uh, the Hawaiian theme. Yes, that and I think that was in February. So somebody, some people posted me on that on some of their memories of the different years we did it. And I remember it was always every year we did it, it got down into the 20s the night before. So it was always a genuine South Texas polar plunge, especially for South Texans when it was close to freezing when we went into that pool. Absolutely. And that's so rare to have that kind of weather where up here it's just another day. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, awesome. Well, um, we're going to jump right into it. We got lots to talk about with you today. So let's start out at the beginning. So originally you didn't plan on pursuing a career in the industry you have thrived in. Can you tell us a little bit about your original aspirations and what led you to where you are today? Sure. It's, it's, that is probably my, the most asked question I get when people ask me what they do. And I tell them I'm the, uh, the director of a zoo and their eyes get real big and they think it's really cool. And then they ask me, how did that happen? And I, and I always say it was a total accident. So I had um, I lived in San Antonio when I was a kid. So I came to the zoo when I was, you know, in second and third grade on field trips and with my family. And then we moved from here to Dallas. My dad was an FBI agent. So we moved around a, lot, a little bit and uh, grew up in Dallas through high school. And then all of my family could not get back to San Antonio fast enough. So after my sister graduated, which was a year behind me, uh, my parents and my sister moved back to San Antonio. And then a couple years after that, I came back. 
And at the time, Six Flags was opening. It wasn't a Six Flags then. It was Fiesta Texas, which was owned by um, Opryland and USAA. And I was coming back in the summertime, and I was like, well, I'll just go get a job there for the summer. My sister had worked at SeaWorld um, a couple years before that, and she was going over to Fiesta, Texas. She's like, hey, you should work there and meet some friends because the friends I knew in second and third grade I hadn't kept in great touch with. This was before <laughs> social media and things like that. So yeah. <laughs> I, I, um, I ended up being a lifeguard the first year at the water park at, that, at Fiesta, Texas when it opened. And just was my plan to be a summer lifeguard, and I was, gonna, uh, I was going to school. Um, during the year at a college, local college here, to be a, a criminal justice major. Like my, I wanted to be like my dad and be in the FBI or be a police officer. So it was like, okay, well, that was fun, but I'm not doing that again. And went back to school, and then they called me, hey, come be a trainer for the water park. And I said, okay, well, I don't have anything else to do, and went back. And then that went on for about four years, where every year I said I wasn't going to go back, and I kept getting promoted. Um, and then in about 1996, SeaWorld called me on my house phone. Keep in mind, it's before cell phones. Um, and phone. said, Hey, we really would like you to, well, they had cell phones, but they were the big giant ones and I didn't have one. <laughs> yeah. But, um, so then, I, uh, SeaWorld called me, Hey, we want you to come run our water park and some areas over here. And my, really my answer then was no again, because this is not what I want to do. And SeaWorld seemed really far away at the time. It was out on the far West side of San Antonio. It was, um, basically the anchor of that entire side of the city, which is exploding now. But back then it was the only thing out there. Uh, and then again, I had nothing else to do in the summer. So I went to SeaWorld um, and kept getting promoted there and getting new responsibilities. And so I had, you know, these, this varied responsibility based re really geographically at that park because it's so big of, um, at, at one point I had the Clydesdale operations. Oh, wow. I had the, the operations portion of the Sea Lion Show, which is, you know, the, the kids that get you in and out of the stadium, get you seated, clean up afterwards and kind of manage the crowds. Um, I had the... Um, the Happy Harbor play area in the middle of the park for a while, which is now a Sesame Street Bay of Play. I had, um, we had an area called Plaza del Sol. It was this big pavilion just kind of dedicated to um, Hispanic culture, which was really neat to have in San Antonio. So I, I got all these great variety of um, responsibilities and really started rounding me out in the beginning, just not just be water park, but be, you know, operational. And then um, if in the late 90s, we announced we were going to open Discovery Cove in Orlando. And in 1999, I was um, tapped to go to Orlando to help get that park, um, the finalized design done and, and open. So I got to go to Orlando for a couple of years and open that park. And there I got a lot more of experience um, operationally, special events, private events, swim gear, which was with the building and the, the department that gave out all the snorkels and all those sort of things and wetsuits. And so I did a whole lot of different things at that park. And I'd become full-time right before I went to Orlando. And it, it was about that time uh, I'd say a year or two before I moved to Orlando, where I really kind of started realizing that I liked what I was doing. And I um, had gone to an IAPA conference, which is a big show for zoos and theme parks and hotels, you name it, they all go to this. And so I kind of saw the big picture of the industry on the theme park and the zoological side and um, kind of realized while I was going through my major that maybe I want to do this. So I switched once I graduated my junior college, I got two degrees in criminal justice moved to a big university, the University of San Antonio, uh, University of Texas at San Antonio and got my degree in sociology because I had kind of made up in my mind I would like to really kind of do what I'm doing at the theme parks. And so ended up coming back to SeaWorld in 2001 or 2002. And then I was there for 19 years. And then a, a firm reached out to me about the position at the zoo. And I couldn't pass up the opportunity to come to this historic treasure in San Antonio because I love my city so much. And I'd really been the demo for the zoo three times, once as a child, once with my older child, and now I having two younger children. I've been here a lot over the last 
few decades. So it was an honor. It's an honor to have the be at the helm of this institution. That's so incredible. And I think it's so cool hearing you talk about that just because I grew up in San Antonio and hearing you talk about that you worked at all of these places that um, not only did I attend just being in San Antonio, but also working there, just you've really watched this industry and been part of this industry's growth. Yeah, it's been really fun to be a part of a lot of the big things at the parks. I probably did $100 million, $150 million worth of projects at SeaWorld from you know, designing and opening Aquatica and designing the new um, Dolphin Point and being involved with the opening and design of Bay of Play and Journey to Atlantis and all these great things there. And then I go to um, Fiesta, Texas, and I remember being part of the opening team of that park and um, and then all the things we're doing at the zoo now. So there's a there's a lot of uh, I have a lot of pride walk going around the city, especially with my kids, knowing I've been a part of a lot of these um, things that people here are enjoying and, and creating great memories at. Absolutely. It sounds like you almost created all the fun things in San Antonio when we put it down like that. I've been involved with a lot of the fun things in San Antonio. I'm probably the only one that's ever worked at those three places. And then my little side job, because I'm always keeping myself very busy, was I, I um, did Spurs stats for a few years. So I also set courtside for the San Antonio Spurs for about seven, eight years doing stats. So I've been involved in um, that too, which is really fun. So I've had a lot of fun in my whole career. And I'm, I tell people all the time, I'm, I'm really blessed to be doing stuff that I love to do and love to get up for every day. Yeah, absolutely. That's incredible. Um, just hearing about your experience just from the beginning is amazing. Since you have been at the San Antonio Zoo, you have brought a renaissance. So even somebody like me who's moved up here, just seeing all the amazing things that you're doing. And you, since you've arrived in 2014, can you tell us about some of the changes that you have made for our listeners? Sure. Well, we've since 2014, I came right at the end of 2014. So December of December 1st, 2014 was my first day. And I remember it was my first first day in about 20 years. So it was a little nerve wracking. But um, since then, we've been off to the races and we've probably we've invested about 30 million dollars in the zoo in those four years. That's incredible. Uh, so we have um, just lots of little things as far as the way the, the zoo looks and feels. We've added layers of music and sections that are themed to Africa or themed to Amazon and sound effects of you know, the, the sounds of the Amazon and things like that. We've added a lot of color, a little bit of theming on pathways to give you the appropriate feel for the region you're in. Um, and then a lot of updating of habitats. So we're 105 years old. Um, we have a lot of historic walls. So we have to work very closely with the city and the historic district to, to make sure that we really care for the history that we have and we want to do that. But we've upgraded over 100 habitats. Our big ones that we've done have been an expansion of elephant um, an expansion and bringing back giraffes on a savanna setting, um, a lion, um, Big Cat Valley expansion where we expanded the lion habitat and added the big windows where you can get face to face with lions. Our zoo is the first zoo in the country to have cageless exhibits. So where you were basically the moat system and it was state of the art at the time in the thirties and forties and not so much anymore. So we're really phasing those out and going to the next generation of getting guests up close and um, connected with the animals. And so that's been a lot of fun, really redoing those big exhibits. And then it's been the Will Smith Zoo School, which, are, which is our nature-based preschool, the largest nature-based preschool in the country, probably in the world, but I can't verify that, so I usually just say the country. Um, but it's a, a licensed, state-licensed preschool with 220 students that go to the school there um, nine months out of the year, like a regular school calendar. And they, those kids spend 60 to 70% of their day outside and go to the zoo every single day. And they're really learning through nature and play, which is how children learn the most. So all those things I talked about doing earlier in my career with the theme parks and Discovery Cove and everything else, nothing is compared to um, 
what we've done here at the zoo and especially that Will Smith Zoo School because what's happening there is really special. I think that's amazing. We're going to go ahead and talk about that for a second because first off, Will Smith School is not named after the actor. Is that correct? Right. So one of our um, donors and a dear friend of mine, um, Susan Naylor, she lost her son, Will Smith, um, when he was eight years old. They were hit head on in a crash in Hawaii and he passed away. That's tragic. She has basically dedicated her life since then to um, keeping the memory of her son alive. And they were big zoo goers. He could name every animal at the zoo. They came here all the time. He was an outdoorsman, a little outdoorsman. Um, and so when she heard about the school and what I was working on, she came to me and said, I want to be a part of that. I want Will's name on that school. So, um, it's really so fitting that it was, we talk about it all the time, how it was just meant to be. And, you know, people ask all the time, is that Will Smith, the actor? And, you know, first Susan would be frustrated. I'm like, Hey, that's good. Because if it was named like the tomorrow zoo school or the John Smith zoo school, no one would ever ask who that person was, but because it's Will Smith, the actor has the same name. People ask, and we get to tell them about Will Smith, um, our little hero that the school is named after. So it's a good opportunity for us to tell his story. That's so wonderful. And what a, a beautiful tribute to a young life that was tragically lost, but to carry on his memory in such a beautiful way and for so many other children. Yeah, and for it to be such an iconic school, I mean, the state of Texas worked with us to get this thing licensed. That you know, They don't usually license playgrounds that are made of tree stumps and rock climbs and things like and giant hills for the kids to roll down. They, they usually license swing sets and slides. Um, so we've worked close with the Department of Health, the Department of Licensing to get that licensed. And part of what we really want to do is take this curriculum and take it statewide. So we're working with the state through a program called OLE, Outdoor Learning Environments that they have and really try to take this statewide to preschools. And, you know, not everyone's going to have the big, amazing campus that we have, but there's elements of it that every school can implement as far as the infrastructure of the school or just the learning in the class class lessons outside. That's so amazing and so unique. I love that. Well, uh, you you worked at SeaWorld from 1996 to about 2014. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. So at your time there, what did you learn that you think helped you the most in your current position at the San Antonio Zoo? I think when I got to SeaWorld San Antonio, you know, there was um, San Diego and Orlando, and we were the little seasonal theme park in Texas. And so we didn't have the big giant attendance like those parks. Therefore, we didn't have the big giant budgets like those parks and the, the maintenance, the big maintenance teams and the big um, design budgets for attractions. So we learned how to do things very well with limited budget and limited resources. But there came a point where our park at SeaWorld San Antonio um, made a turn to, you know, we're we're gonna, um, we're getting up there like a big boy and we're gonna act like a big boy and we're gonna operate like a big boy. And so there's a, a cultural jump that you have to do when you are when you go th- from being thrifty to doing things first class. And so I think that um, that experience of making that jump, which is scary. Absolutely. <laughs> hey, we're not going to do things just because it's the ch- this way, because it's the cheapest way. We're going to do it right. And we're going to find the way to do it right. Um, it's something I've brought here where um, we've been lucky to have great record attendance in recent years and um, record revenues at the zoo, which help us. We put it all right back in because we're a nonprofit. And so that learning of where the zoo before was doing things, um, a lot of in-house work, which our maintenance team is amazing. They can literally do anything. Um, But that jump to be saying, you know, we're gonna take um, extra time, extra care and extra fundraising or extra money to do this thing right and do it quality and make it world-class. That's a a big scary jump for people. And the the fact that I had been through that once already, I think is the biggest thing that's helped me coming over here to, to have the San Antonio Zoo take that jump at the same time. 
Definitely. And just from the outside, I can see such a major change that you have been making at the zoo. And I think it's just amazing to watch. Now, yes, yeah, it's, it's been fun. The, the first year we did a lot of infrastructure changes, just cleanliness, quality stuff, you know, painting things and getting things up to a higher standard. And then so I heard a lot of it in the community the first year of, wow, the zoo's really changing when you go visit, it's different. And then what I really enjoyed was the second year when the culture started catching up to that. And they, and all the comments I heard were about the staff and how engaging they were and how outgoing they were and how um, they were all over the place on the pathways and wanted to talk to the guests. So it's been a fun experience to watch. And then now people just are really excited in our city about what's happening here at the zoo. And, you know, we haven't cranked our marketing budget or anything like that. It's been a lot of word of mouth. And we, and we, we say often that, you know, people are falling in love with our zoo all over again. Um, so it's been a fun time to be a part of what's happening here. Definitely. And one thing that I noticed that I hadn't noticed before you had moved over to the San Antonio Zoo was something I had really noticed at SeaWorld, which was the message of conservation. Now, do you feel like you're taking that message of conservation from SeaWorld, from the zoo? And is that something that you're really focusing on? I think messaging in general was a big learning I had at SeaWorld. Um, you have to tell people your story or else somebody will make one up for you, which we saw at SeaWorld. Somebody made up one that was not true. Absolutely. <laughs> so um, part of what I've done coming here was really focus on uh, messaging and where to be messaging. So we've really put an emphasis on a lot of Facebook posts, telling fun stories, telling about the animal care. We have so much to say. Um, it's hard. So we have we could post for about conservation efforts that we do all day, every day. We could post every day about our educational efforts, our field trips and our school all day, every day. We could post every day about the experience or about the animal care. So there's a lot to message and that's that's the hardest part. But the great part is there's great material. Um, and it's fun things we post about. I'm like, we have, when I got to this, I was like, we have animals and kids. What else do you need? You're gonna have great social media. So <laughs> yeah, and definitely. we have a lot of fun. We're, we're probably a little bit out there compared to some other zoos maybe as far as social media, but we're having a lot of fun with it. And our guests seem to be enjoying uh, the fun that we're having with it. And it's really put us top of mind. So. Uh, people don't take us for granted in San Antonio anymore. They they see us as one of the big players in town and they're paying attention to what we're doing. Definitely. And one thing that I've seen outside of my social circle, so people maybe who wouldn't live in San Antonio or didn't go to the San Antonio Zoo, was the interaction between Timothy and Fiona, I believe. Right. That has been so much fun to watch and just see Timothy uh, trying to woo Fiona. Yeah, that's been fun. That's been fun, and it's also been educational to guests. It's been fun to watch them learn along the process on how um, SSP decisions are made and how zoos make those decisions. So we've really taken advantage of the fun. Well, first, the stardom of Fiona, which was really incredible, and the way they were able to raise her and, and um, her her presence on the scene has really elevated hippos. And, yeah, um, such a fascinating and story. And animal care and the care that animals get at zoos. Um, so we've right, really take, tried to take it to the next level with Timothy to really tell the story of SSPs and how those things are happening and just have a little lighthearted fun. There's so much politics and negative things on social media nowadays, and Timothy just tries to be pure fun and, and not get involved in any of that stuff. So he's having a good time, and he posts you know, every Thursday at 3 o'clock Central Time, and if it's ever late, people start messaging us like, what's wrong with Timothy? Where's the post? Where's the post? So. Uh, we have to we have to definitely stay on top of that, or people start to panic a little bit. <laughs> well, it's hard not to love Timothy and all his sweet messages to Fiona. So yeah, and the, we hear a lot. People are visiting Cincinnati Zoo and visiting San Antonio Zoo to see those two hippos. I mean, they're literally traveling and planning vacations around visiting those two hippos. And a lot of people are tr doing that to go see both 
So people feel a connection with those two um, animals, which, you know, zoos didn't do in the past, you know, really. Um, it wasn't even, animals weren't even named publicly back back in the day. So uh, there's been a big change and we've kind of been on the forefront of, you know, we, we name our animals, they have names, they have personalities. We love our, uh, we love them and we're not afraid to say that we love them. So we use emotion, the emotions that we have and our, and our animal care staff has for those animals and we're not ashamed of it. Now, in your almost 30 year career, we're talking about so many fun moments, but what have been some of your favorite moments in your, in your career? Oh man, there's so many. Well, I, like today, I was out looking at our new rhinos. I'm a kind of a geek about the most random things. Um, we have these historic walls around the zoo that are a couple feet tall. In some places, they're like two, three, four, two or three feet tall in front of exhibits. And parents literally have to pick up their children to look over the walls to see exhibits sometimes. And uh, we worked real close with our historic um, commission here to we cut out some of the walls and put viewing so from floor to you know four feet up. And today, I'm out there and people are just pulling their strollers right up, and the kids are watching from the strollers and like. I'm like, this This is the best part of my whole year so far is watching these kids and a lady on her electric wheelchair be able to pull right up to that window and look into the exhibit. So it's just, it's just weird. It's different things all the time. I think back to grand openings have always been really fun for me. The grand opening of Aquatica was huge. Um, the grand opening of Discovery Point, while I wasn't there for the um, the building of it, I was there for the design portion. So to walk it and see it exactly like I, uh, we pictured it in our heads as we designed it, it was really nice to see. And so I think grand openings are always really fun. And then just, but just the little moments with guests uh, in the zoo or in the parks that I think really make me and drive me um, and excite me about uh, what we're doing. Amazing. So you have a lot of things going on at the San Antonio Zoo. So many incredible things that have been happening. But you have a big exhibit opening this weekend. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so this year our expanded savanna opens this weekend. Um, we have a long history with rhinos at our zoo. And, you know, we rebranded the zoo probably two, three years ago. And we put the rhino in our logo because of that history and because we want to focus on rhino conservation and uh, moving forward. So that's one of the animals in our, our logo. But... Um, we were the first zoo in North America to have white rhinos born. Wow, um, I didn't know that. At our facility, yes. So in 1972, we had the first uh, white rhino birth. Um, it was two rhinos that had been brought over from a park and zoo in Germany, I believe. And so we had that first baby. And we have the black and white footage of this uh, baby running around the yard in 1972, which is great to watch. But as you watch it, this, there's a lot of walls in the exhibit. So, you know, back when zoos were judged by how many animals they had and how many they could show, um, we were one of the top three zoos in the country and we had a lot of animals and we have a lot of that. We still have some of the menagerie style exhibitry in our zoo where there's a lot of walls with small spaces. Um, so our recent rhino yard, we've kind of been working our way up the street. We redid elephants in 2016. We redid giraffes in 2015. And now the next door habitat is rhinos. And so it, when, the, when it was originally designed, it was three separate enclosures. The zoo here had both blacks and whites uh, rhinos. And so they had two smaller pins for black rhinos and then one larger pin for um, whites where they would put a couple together. And so we've taken all those walls out, removed the moats, removed the, the walls. We've added a waterfall, um, a creek running through it, a nursery. And then because our zoo is built in, we're built in a quarry. We're in this beautiful quarry that was quarried in the 1800s. Some of the rock work here has gone to build the missions in San Antonio and some incredible buildings, but we have no back areas. So all of our animal care and animal housing happens in front of the guest. And so 
in a you know typical zoo where the housing would be in the back, you wouldn't see it. You would just be looking at habitat. Uh, it's a much more cleaner, more natural look. Where we ha- we're challenged with having these um, structures and things and corrals and and guest views. So we put uh, both giraffe and rhino. We put big decks over the animal holding. Provides a lot of great shade and also hides the holding a little bit from the exhibit. So. Um, we have a big deck that'll hold about 270 people for a seated dinner overlooking Rhino. Um, but the, the nice thing is this one big yard. We've added trees, we've added a creek, we've added landscaping, and so they have a lot of space. And we have two girls in there right now: a two-year-old from White Oak and a three-year-old from Bush Gardens, Tampa, and they are um, running around and exploring the uh, yard right now. And I think one of the things I talked about the the cutout on the wall. I got really excited today just watching them drink out of the creek. Um, that they get to cross over. So those kind of things are really neat. And so we're excited to open that habitat. And that will be mixed species with zebra and some other host stock and guinea and ostrich and birds. And it connects into the giraffe yard. So giraffes, while they can't move back and forth because there's a bridge, um, all the other hoof stock and zebras and um, birds can move back and forth. And we're hopeful that um, someday soon the rhinos will be moving back and forth between both of those exhibits. So um, they'll have a lot more space than they had previously, which is exciting. That's so exciting to hear about. And I'm sure that in San Antonio, many people are just waiting to be able to see that this weekend and see all the yeah. changes that they've made in those exhibits. Yeah, today we opened up one of the pathways because we've been giving the uh, the girls a little quiet time to bond with each other and explore the yard. And so today we opened up uh, one of the pathways. They've been in about a week now. And um, I was with my vice president of education just watching the um, the keepers interact with the rhinos and a guest walked up and told us how big it looked, how nice it looked, how nice the waterfall was, and thought that the animals were going to be really happy in there, which I always like to hear that people, you know, looking at an exhibit at the zoo feel like the animals are happy, then then you've done it right. Absolutely. And I think that you guys are really setting the standard for the way that animal exhibits look and feel and just what we need for the for the animals. And just from everything I've seen, it's just so impressive. And the nice thing is the zoo community is so open I've probably in four years visited 40 plus zoos and every director, every staff member and every board member we've met with has been totally open on their ideas, what they did that they like, what they did that they don't like, what they wouldn't repeat, what they would do differently. So that really helps too. We're shamelessly steal ideas from people and um, you visit those zoos that are, have done these incredible things around the country. And to us, it's a little glimpse into our future, heading into our master plan and our big big expansions and bigger exhibits than we've been doing now. So we're really excited about the next 10, 20 years. Definitely. And I'm excited to see all the opening uh, day stuff happening this weekend. Yeah, March 2nd, they get to come out for the first time. And, you know, we have the the classic Moldorama machines also, which everyone goes crazy for. And so (laughs) we're going to give the first 500 uh, members that come in early that morning um, pink rhinos in honor of our two girls that are here here now. Oh, man. (laughs) I wish we could be there to get those. (laughs) I'll see if I can grab you one, but we're having some fun with that, too. (laughs) That would be awesome. Well, Tim, one final question before we wrap up. Somewhere down the road, when you decide to hang up those Texas boots, what would Tim Morrow like his legacy to be? Uh, One, I'd like my kids to be proud of what I've done in the city and then um, and around South Texas. But my bigger one of the biggest things is um, leave it better than I found it. And really have an impact on the whole community. So we're a nonprofit, but we're a big nonprofit here in San Antonio. So we're really trying to help lift everybody at the same time. So we work with um, tons of nonprofits here in town. We provide over $250,000 worth of tickets and experiences out to the community every year. And we're at events and we go to schools and we, you know, we host um, people here at the zoo for special events or wounded warriors after hours. And so we really, I hope people look back and say, wow, he was really 
um, more about giving than asking. And the zoo was successful because of that um, work that everyone in the city pitched in to do together that people really appreciated it. Definitely. And I absolutely think that you have already made such a giant impact on the San Antonio community and beyond there. So I'm so excited to see what you continue to do. Yeah, you guys got to come down and see Rhino. And then uh, I'm sure we'll be starting on something right after Rhino is um, done. We'll be starting on our Jaguar exhibit this year and uh, expansion. And then we have a list of 20 years of things we're going to do. So we're excited. We're really trying to have something new every year for our visitors when they come see and something new every part of the year. So it's an exciting time at San Antonio Zoo and for our whole city and really for South Texas, anyone who visits us. Absolutely. Now, we're so excited to keep up with what you're doing. Can you tell our listeners how they can support the San Antonio Zoo and how they can follow along with everything happening down there? Sure. They can follow um, San Antonio Zoo is on Facebook. We're on um, Twitter. We're on Instagram. And then you can visit sazoo.org to find out um, how to donate. Or we have a lot of volunteers. We have over 600 volunteers a year. So if you're local, we have corporate volunteer opportunities where groups come in and help us do things. Um, so we're we're growing. We're at 550 employees now. We're at 600 volunteers, and um, the zoo footprint will be growing. So we'll, we'll, we're going to need a lot of help, both financially and physically, from our community and um, everyone that wants to get involved with us. We're happy to have them. Excellent. Well, we'll make sure to tag you guys on when we post this interview. Make sure that everybody can keep up with everything going on at the San Antonio Zoo. That'd be great. Well, Tim, thank you so much for coming on the Zookeeper's Voice today. It has been such a pleasure to catch up with you. Well, thanks for having me. I'm excited uh, to do that with you and um, about your your new endeavor, and I hope to see you guys soon. Absolutely. We look forward to catching up with you further on down the road. All right. Thank you. I absolutely loved talking to Tim. That was really cool. I know we've been looking forward to that for a long time, getting Tim on here, and uh, what an interesting guy. I know. When you start hearing about all of the things that he has done in San Antonio, and not just San Antonio, all over the world. Right, right. It's amazing. He's just had his hands in everything that's fun in San Antonio. For real. like Some of the stuff he was listing out, he was talking for like five or six minutes at the beginning of the, inter- uh, the interview there, and just listing off every single like amazing thing that's going on in San Antonio that Tim's had his hand in on. It was super cool to be able to talk to him and, and sort of have him recount everything he's done for the city of San Antonio. Absolutely. And people who live in San Antonio, you know, they get to enjoy all of these things, but they don't often get to hear from the people who are helping to create it. Right. Exactly. It, I also love just hearing about what's going on in San Antonio, which is my hometown, and just hearing about what when next time we go visit, we're going to get to go see. Yeah. No, I, I definitely look forward to... Uh, Someday checking out the San Antonio Zoo and hopefully meeting Tim in person would be really cool. Yeah, definitely. Um, he sounds like he wants us to come down and check it out. So um, why not? The invitation's there. Why not? You know? Yeah. And we won't have to wait to see that brand new rhino exhibit. Right, It'll be exactly. open and running when that happens. Get our hands on one of those pink rhinos he was talking I about. I know. Tim, we want that pink rhino. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, he mentioned something and I'm pretty excited to check it out. I believe he mentioned something about a rhino dinner. Oh where, yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't. I'm not sure if that's something that he's doing, but I do think that. Uh, I think he mentioned that they're doing like a eat with the rhinos. I know that they've done like eat with other How animals. How does that work? I believe that what they do is it's a restaurant, 
that overlooks an oh, exhibit. Okay, <laughs> not like okay. enter the so exhibit. So it's not like eat with the Disney characters? No, you don't like eat with the lions and, you know, hope for the best. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> no. Hope they don't eat you. <laughs> no, I, I believe they're doing, I believe he said that they were going to do that with the rhinos. And I thought that would be so cool if yeah. we came down to be able to check out some of the offerings that the San Antonio for Zoo sure. has. For sure. And to think that they also, aside from all the amazing things that the San Antonio Zoo is doing, that they have a game plan for the next 10 to 20 years. It's really impressive. It's a, it's a testament to how great of a chief executive officer, officer that Tim is, you know? Absolutely. And just growing up in San Antonio, uh, I saw the San Antonio Zoo as a really fun place growing up. And then it was an okay place. Uh-huh. And then they were trying to make it better. And then Tim got there. And now it's one of the top 10 zoos in the country and I believe the world. Right. And you hear it in these conversations now that it's, it's synonymous with San Diego and, and the, the zoos that you really do think of first in the United States. Now San Antonio is right near the top of that list. And that's pretty amazing. That is amazing. And it's it just goes to show how much impact comes from the top. Right. So and, in and, any and company you work at. And look what Tim... Um, Tim was saying off, to us off air, he had somebody who was like the president of of San Antonio Zoo um, who had been there for, what, 43 years or something like that? Yes, that he was saying? I believe so. And he was really excited to have Tim come on board 40 years after he started. That's amazing. And so when a guy like that who's been there for that long is excited to hear about a young up-and-coming chief executive officer like Tim Morrow... And knowing what he can bring to the table, that's that's a really, really awesome thing and a real true testament to Tim. Absolutely. And when I was working at SeaWorld and we heard that he was going over to the San Antonio Zoo after 20 years of working at SeaWorld, not only does that have to be a tough decision because I knew that he is so passionate about everywhere he works, but he had to have known that the things that he was ready to bring to that zoo it was just, he, he was ready for that, and the zoo was absolutely ready for him. Sounds like it. Well, I'm definitely looking forward to visiting the San Antonio Zoo. Me too. Um, and then further on down the line, just catching up with all the new exhibits and happenings that are happening down there. Well, for those of you who are listening, thank you for joining us for our interview with Tim Morrow, the CEO of the San Antonio Zoo. Please rate and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you download your favorite podcasts. And be sure to stay up to date with all the happenings here at The Zookeeper's Voice on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and thezookeepersvoice.com. For the past, present, and future of all animals, this has been The Zookeeper's Voice. We'll see you next time.